Greetings, everybody. Welcome to the commentary podcast for Dixie Stenberg and Brassy Battalion, episode 42. I am your host, Seth Adam, the sun always shines on TV, share. And with me, as always, is assistant director Jim, I wear my sunglasses at night, Hamilton. And, of course, our writer-executor, Mr. Jeffrey, hit me with your best shot, Bridges. Say hello. Hi, Jeffrey. Wow, it's 80s night on the commentary, huh? Apparently we're 80s songs. Mm-hmm. Can I be, uh, do they know it's Christmas? Um, sure, like a Wang Chung song or thing? Oh, we're a little watery here there, sorry. <clears throat> we just landed in the ocean. Wang Chung tonight. Oh, I should have done that one. Sorry. <laughs> we'll go back and do it over. Don't worry. It'll, we'll fix it in the dub. There you go. Fix it in the dub. <laughs> first time in the show, actually, the first time this season that I've been able to use that wood splintering sound. The last time I used that was when the beast was crashing through the Mexican jungle. Oh, that was quite a while ago. Thank you. Oh, and the sound of the Beast spaceship was actually a jet. <laughs> it was actually like a 757 jet noise. He's right there. Well, you always wondered where they got that technology from, right? Now you know. Mm. So this isn't his rocket, right? Uh, yes, I think it is. Is it the same rocket that the Beast left in at the end of season three? Yeah. He doesn't like yeah. have another rocket stashed somewhere or a. A hanger of rockets. He's got a whole closet full of them. Ah. <laughs> that explains much. Yeah. <laughs> no, not really. And we're getting into the action thick, and yes, we are. It's always good to have them in the air. <laughs> yeah, they're, they've been in the air for a few episodes now, and it's kind of going on that way for the rest of... I mean, they're kind of in the air for the rest of the show. So the rest of the show is well, like one big long be. action sequence. It, was just then that the it kind of is, yeah. The Hooray! longest action sequence in recorded history... No, uh, maybe. Maybe not. But is it as long as the fight scene and they live? That's the question. Mm. I always like those quick cuts <laughs> when you go from uh, from the uh, the sound of the brassy battalion planes direct to the the Fock Wolf 190. Um, they're actually to um, the battalion planes are like a Stearman biplane, and the uh, the 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 Zeta Squad planes are a uh, what is it called a King Lear I think it was called a King Lear plane like dual engine plane. That's why it's got that that lower sound to it. Mm. I remember back when the uh, when we were starting up the show, I found some actual uh, sounds of thunderbolts, but they were these tiny little like two second clips, mm-hmm. and it, they like really weren't going to be usable like in the show or anything. But I thought it would have been really cool if we could get the actual engine sounds, but it's pretty impossible to find specific World War II fighter plane engine sounds. True, so. but however, I, I believe there are a couple of them that I still use that are flyby sounds. From, like, the exterior. Oh, okay. Some of those are the, right. the 47 Thunderbolt sounds, if I remember correctly, which I may not, but probably. 
We just saw Billingsley crash into the park, and we've got half of Zeta Squad. Well, I gotta tell you, right in these last episodes, okay, I've I've never actually been to New York, and I I don't know that much about its geography. Boy, have I learned! Uh, I've had maps up for these episodes, and I'm trying to figure out where everyone's located at the same time, and you know if. Joey crashed, and he goes down in the Hudson, where that is, and what that's right. by, and it was just... The Meatpacking District. Yeah, I had a, the Meatpacking... It's right on the east coast of the Hudson River, so yeah. it's, it's right there. Manhattan Island. That's, I don't know. That's good Maybe. to know. Yeah, now you know. I thought you so. were just making up names. Like Central Park. No, apparently Whoever just... would name it Central Park? <laughs> I mean, really. Why would got... they name it that? Yeah. Think of, you know, something original. Thinking? Cornelius swallowed hard, knowing lives were on the line as the decision sat in his starchy white lap. His next decision <laughs> would be one of I the love those lines of his entire life. I'm gonna miss them. His heart beat against his chest. Eventually. Eventually, yeah. Not yet, but I will miss them. Well, you, you still got a few episodes left. I know, but after that, I'm just saying I'm I'm preparing myself for the event of missing them. I understand. Oh, we're at the... Now, Umkalu. Yes, do tell. Well, you know, it's just a combination of Umkit and, uh, and aluminium, as Noel would say. <laughs> or Canadians, apparently. Aluminium? But, uh, aluminium. <laughs> Not just anyone, indeed. In fact, <laughs> only one will do. Only one. The best. Only one. one. Which one? Shall I tell them? Tell them. It's the amazing gnome. He's amazing. I love that. Tell them. <laughs> Bill rocks. He's very self-assured that Noel. <gasps> Fabulous. The one and the same. And as always... As if there were another. Is there another? Does he have any family? Does he have like a misguided younger brother and like a cute sister? <laughs> His younger brother know nothing, and his sister know some, but not much. Okay, that was bad. That, that's the best I could do. Sorry. I'll get more sleep and then come up with something better like next week or something. It re-recorded okay, in the dub. There we go. And today you're going to learn all about a swell new product. Ultra modern mmm kalu. Yes, yes, indeed. Mmm <laughs> mm. Now, what were the sounds that you used here, Jim? Whatever could it be? That Ooh, um, do you remember? That was a blender. <laughs> that was actually something <laughs> like a, that like a circular up. saw or something. It was a blender that I pitched up really high. <laughs> Took it up a couple of three octaves. That <coughs> sound you heard was Umket Industries' incorruptible core beam. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the core beam. Okay, that was a uh, a take up from a commercial 
that uh, used the basic concept of the core beam, just like it's in this commercial, but they called it the Accu-Ray. So, you know, core beam is just my name change. But that was literally what what they did in the commercial, is said that it shot electrons through whatever they wanted, and it would send things back to this robotic... Or, or no, they didn't call it a robotic brain. They called it a computer brain, I think. And um, it, would it would adjust the something or other during the manufacturing process. I don't know. They talked about it like it was the coolest thing they'd ever heard, so... <laughs> And you know what that commercial was for? Cigarettes. Ah, oh, yes. Yeah. Ah. It was. Yeah. But it works with there baseball, too. Well, it does now. <laughs> well, it does now. It's the amazing But of course. You see, the core beam is a device by which a screen... I can't hear Bill and not laugh. <laughs> well, that's the point, so good job. Well done, sir. And I can't hear Misfortune Divine and not uh, sigh. Just like she does. I can't hear the commercial announcer and not do his voice. And you do it well. Um, Alright. <laughs> Yes, one thing, one big thing that Jim has gleaned from doing these episodes is getting quite a good impression of a lot of the cast members, even the female ones. I can't do uh, Alicia's voice. It's just say working. <laughs> That's probably a good thing. Yeah, right. It would be interesting to hear you do. me, Alicia. All the voices for one episode. Yeah. <laughs> Monkey Python style. Oh, hello, Tommy! Alright, we're going to have to do that scene now. <laughs> yeah, I actually put that in the script, too, that, that Noel was calling it based ball with a D in the middle. Made sure that Bill caught that, so... Ah! So that was actually supposed to be based ball. Yes, based ball yes. in aluminium. Yeah, I. Yeah, I'm just gonna stop right there. I think she's just found the sweet spot. Yes. Ooh, superior. Ooh. Ah, poor misfortune divine. In the future. Not only will baseball be played yeah, with is she going to get a happy ending, man? <laughs> You'll just have to keep listening to <laughs> Really, it depends who you ask. Will she get a happy You're ending? She's going to blow her up at the end, aren't you? <laughs> her name is Miss Fortune, so... That is true. But I'll bump. This actually, I believe this is one of the few episodes in Dixie that actually was longer than 30 minutes. 
Um, a lot of them yeah, are just right around half an hour, a little bit less, maybe about 25, 22 minutes. But this one was close to 40. So it is, dear listeners. Yeah, well, I noticed right. when I was looking, uh, the last one, uh, I think, was like 35, and the next one's like 38. And it's, I think it's all these last ones with the big flashbacks uh, going into the characters' past that it took me a lot more time to get that stuff out in the scripts and so I think the scripts have come out longer so the episodes are coming out longer so I think these last ones are all going to be a, a bit longer than usual hmm. but we get some good information on these people especially Mr. Cornelius Robert Sims Pearson I love that flashback yes especially in this episode it was good uh, how did you um, did you have like the plot figured out beforehand or is this a a plot that you kind of made up as you went along? How did you write this? this <clears throat> you mean scene? the bit with uh, Cornelius here, or do you mean like in, in general with all of the characters? Um, in general, uh, specifically for this, this, this episode. Let's deal with just this episode. Uh, for this one, I had most of it figured out. I didn't... Um, I mean, I had the bit with Esmeralda figured out. I had the reason for Cornelius having the four names, you know, um, instead of three, and... You know, the, the reason that Esmeralda calls everybody Mr. and Miss all the time right. is finally explained here. And, and uh, we've mentioned the um, slingshot before, and Esmeralda's, you know, uh, um, really great eye came out last season when she shot the beast. And um, so, yeah, I've had most of it. Um, there were a bunch of the details that, you know, sort of got clearer when writing this episode. Like, um, I didn't know that her mother's name was Peaches until I wrote this, you know, and I decided that's what I would name her, but... But I had the, the which explains his fascination for peaches. Yes, there you go. Smiled and bowed her head, always ever so slightly embarrassed by the kindness and respect Cornelius. It was interesting that uh, you decided to um, have him adopt the name Pearson, because um, usually it's mm-hmm. the 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 women who adopt the the men's names. Um, right. Well, that's a a big thing that you'll see in a lot of uh, this, these flashbacks with the characters, and I think throughout all of Dixie is that a lot of the characters sort of, kind of flip tradition almost. and do yeah. things that people back then normally didn't. I mean, that's sort of ingrained in it with Dixie, you know, being a female fighter pilot, so um, that was sort of a, a concept that the whole show was sort of, you know, built around. It just it never occurred to me to do uh, this little switch here in this episode. Well done, sir. Oh, thank you. Cornelius could only Hooray! Uh, uh, what for you? <laughs> and I completely forget who we have in the guest cast for this episode who played Peaches and, and, and Mrs. Pearson. Uh, Peaches was uh, Kim Giannopoulos, I believe, mm-hmm. and um, uh, Mrs. Pearson is Bernadette Groves, I think. And Little Esmeralda was... Little uh, Esmeralda is um, uh, Victoria Giannopoulos, I think. Kim, actually, Kim Giannopoulos and Victoria, mother-daughter pair, playing a mother-daughter. How about that? Oddly enough, they worked well. It does. It is I who should be thanking the both of you. You may just make a cook out of me. Oh, and of course, you know, too, working in um, the, the whole cooking, Corny and Esmeralda always cooking and recipes and all that stuff. So it was, yeah, you know, I'm trying to... Explained as much of it as I can. The goal is hopefully that after people hear these last ones, I think I said this last month, but that if they go back and listen to the show again, all of these little clues and stuff that I threw in before will make more sense now, having heard these last ten, and so then it'll sort of be like listening to a new show, because you'll understand different little bits more as you go. So it's hopefully it's a little different the second time through. 
Hopefully they'll listen again and again and again. Yeah, and like again. we have. <laughs> <laughs> we have? I mean, we have. Uh, I certainly have. I have. No, no, I have. No, really. Yes, I have. Of course you have. <laughs> yes. Uh, you what episode are we on? Oh, yes. Cornelius in radiant fashion. And his heart 42. But it would melt even further still, a short moment later. Esmeralda! Mama! First time in a while that I've gotten Esmeralda to use uh, barefoot foot sounds. And leapt into her mother's arms, a smile <coughs> beaming out between her braided blonde pigtails. Well, hello there, little lady. I wanted to say that I really like the, um, the background music here. It felt... Like extra old timey, since this is like back, you know, like the eight, or 1915, 1920, somewhere around there. So it, uh, to me, it felt a little older than the 30s or 40s. So I don't yeah, know. Yeah, this one was actually, I think, from the the mid 30s. Um, another one of the yeah. uh, the California melodies, right? Uh, section uh, didn't want it to go too much, you know, big band or jazz, uh, not for a scene right, like right. this. Um, and just, uh, I lucked into, like, uh, this one, uh, yeah, I, I wanted it to have a, uh, a certain feel to it during the, the, the scenes, so I actually took a little bit more time than usual. Usually, I'll look through one or two of the, the shows for California mm -hmm. Melodies that I have, um, but this one I actually searched through a, a, a good seven or eight just to find just you know really good light but but light but happy i guess uh, right. music for this i think i did well no i think so too absolutely it, it sounds awesome thank you the first time i heard it i was like that it totally really i don't know it made the scene really work yeah. There were a couple of, of episodes earlier on where I was not 100% certain about uh, a piece of music, but left it in anyway because I was just, you know, I'm tired and just wanted the thing done. Uh, mm -hmm. But I, I don't do that all the time. No, no, no. It, 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 I, I do actually do some work on these shows. No, really. They wild the night away with a dash Except for the, you know, the last music cue and the first music cue, which I think you both agree is absolutely necessary. Essential, even. I really like the, uh, the uh, flirting and cooking walla that uh, Scott and uh, Kim threw in there. That, that stuff was a lot of fun to hear in the background. Oh, yeah, they both uh, sent him some nice foley for that. And the cooking sound wasn't really, they weren't really cooking. I, I, I didn't have anything like, like really like the, the sound of an oven in the back or really a stove. It was more sort of like a, a whisker and, you know, like salt and pepper shakers being shaken. And they're actually making stuff and not baking. But it works. The act of cooking. And this was actually a sound of utensils being cleaned. Ooh. Yeah, this I remember now that I hear um Courtney saying where's the wash bucket. That writing this was uh you know the show's usually tough enough to write doing research for the time period, but this mm -hmm. was extra tough because I haven't written anything set that far back before. Right. So I had to do more research and be like would they have indoor plumbing yet? I don't know if they had indoor plumbing back then, you know, and do it all of this stuff. It was I think just, some places had indoor plumbing, but not Yeah. It wasn't yeah, so it was but 
it was just extra work, so it was further annoying, you know. <laughs> Stopping in the middle, researching for half an hour. More people had, like, outhouses than water closets. Yeah. And would wash by the side of the creek, wash their clothes. the beginnings of his mustache, leaving soap suds dangling from his whiskers in a most comical fashion. That is most becoming, Mr. Sam. Why, someday perhaps you won't even need those suds to have a mustache so long and wide. You know, hearing that now, it, it sounds a little like, like a little bit of innuendo, but it wasn't intended that way. No. <laughs> well, that is why I laugh. <laughs> I totally never caught on to that before, so. I like your big, twisty mustache. <laughs> no, we don't mean anything by that, none whatsoever. I like you very much, and I do not wish for you to stop your visit. Cannot allow that at this time. Mama? I'm sorry. I can't. That sounded so horrid. That mama? Something wrong, Mrs. Pearson? She did sound rather heartbroken. That was perfect, but well done, it made me go. <laughs> it's the world we live in. What do you mean? The Great War, son. The world has never seen anything like it. And that was cool, getting ah. to uh, do a little tiny bit of sort of foley for the uh, the flashback for the, the, the Great War, the First World War. Mm -hmm. the, uh, the airplane that he trains in that you'll hear in just a moment is actually the same sound that we use for the battalion planes, the Stearman interior cockpit sound slowed down to sound like a biplane almost. Yeah, makes it sound totally different, slowed down, played with the pitch a little bit. Um, made it sound like it was a lot more, you know, the, the planes were a lot more open air. Yes. And I wanted to give it a, a lot more uh, clunky, I guess, um, a lot less manufactured than, than a P-47. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I didn't actually have too. any any sounds like that for for that that didn't sound right to me. So I took that the regular plane sound and just screwed with it, which is sometimes the most worked. Thank you. Yeah, they didn't sound anything alike. I never would have known. So. And if I remember the the sound of. Uh, a peach hitting him in the back was like an impact sound of like a rock being thrown onto something. Like a piece of wood. You mean you didn't have Foley for a peach pit hitting someone? I can't believe that. Well, I could have gone to Georgia and, and <laughs> done some, you know, some negotiations. On the shot. Yeah. Someone to shoot you with it. Yeah. Or I could have taken someone out to Golden Gate Park and had them do, but, you know. As you notice, the, the gunfire sound is some of the same that we've used before. Just peppered a little bit in between. So it doesn't sound like the, the regular stream that I use most times. Right. Yeah, it was nice being able to get to work that in because we'd mentioned before, you know, that uh, Corny already knew how to fly and, you know, had, mm -hmm. had been a pilot before, so. And thank you for the opportunity to do a minor bit of World War One Foley. 
Yeah, that's the second time we did a little. You did a little, little tiny bit with Frank in that. One oh yeah, that's right. Season. But that was yeah, more like gro- on the ground, like the ground war aspect of, of yeah. the first war. This yeah, you it was know, only like more. like thirty seconds in the background. Oh yeah. So if we, you know somebody ever does something with the like World War One, like the Lafayette Escadrille or the the, the trenches, then you know I'll be set. Cornelius <laughs> returned. And this so it was that Cornelius Robert Sims found himself strolling along the path leading to the Pearson Peaks. Yes. I remember recording my lines for this episode when I was back east for Thanksgiving. Um, recorded it over at MCR Garcia's house with her, her wonderful blue snowball microphone. Uh, <laughs> and with the sock on it? With the sock on it, yes. Um, <laughs> yes, um, you can go ahead and call me and beat me up now. Uh, but beyond that, um, we were uh, she, that was the first time that that um, in a while that I had read the the script and M hadn't seen the script up to that point. I think we were both doing um, our lines for this episode. So when this hit, and we find out that Peaches had passed, mm-hmm. it was and oh. No! Moment. Did you originally decide to do this, or was something you decided like to change as the script no, was, was writing? No, that was, was basically it? the plan, because even back when, oh, I think it was in the second season, when they stopped by um, Corny's plantation, all of them, like on their way back from Germany, I think, where we first meet Esmeralda. Which and, I completely uh, forget. Know, yeah, but then uh, Corny, uh, you know, he didn't have a wife there. Esmeralda didn't have a mother around. Of course, in that episode, you didn't even know that she was his daughter. But right. Um, but yeah, it was always something. I mean, she hadn't been around, and I, I figured that in my head, I'd always imagined that she must have died. But I hadn't, you know, worked out the exact when or why. You know, I left the details a little free so that I had a little room to wiggle when I got to this episode. So right. Okay. Well, it was a really well done. Well, thank they, you. They both passed, actually. Both Peaches and Mrs. Pearson. Yeah. You well, killed them both off! Ugh. No, tuberculosis did. Don't blame me. Oh, well, oh, okay. <laughs> Damn you, TV! That's right. Hate you. All he had to do was sign his name to the papers, and it would all be his. You know, I also didn't initially have a um, set order for these last ten. I didn't know which of the battalion members would go, you know, with which episodes. And I sort of let it be be dictated by how the um, how the battle itself in New York was going. And when you got to, whenever it you know, unfolded into a key moment for one of the characters, that their backstory could help explain the decision they made in that battle was sort of the how I, you know, worked out which order to do it in. So I didn't plan to do Joey first and then Corny. It was just the way, you know, the flow of of the action scene. That's sort of how it all just worked out. I think that's a good way to go. It it lends itself more organically. Right. I didn't want to lock it down too tight and have things not fit and try to force them together and have it, you know, seem a little rough. But the backstory is mostly, like, written out beforehand. Yeah. Even if that's well, I didn't have them written out, but I had it all down planned. in my head. Right. Since way back, way back when it like started, which is why I've kind of dropped, you know, things about their histories here and there. Right. 
as we've gone along. Big door sound. And a long hallway. Just a generic hallway, like a foyer sound from the, the BBC sound effects library. Thank you, BBC. Thank you, BBC. That day came in my second you, last season. players. <laughs> Back in the cockpit. Cornelius knew he'd make ah, the right and this Deerman cockpit noise. Yay. Make the right and we're back. <laughs> he took a deep breath and smoothed his ample white mustache. The time for action was upon him. All right, Brassy Battalion. Listen up and listen good. Old Corny is going to get us out of this mess. Benedict, Jay Corny. Jay. Yeah, I have a little remembering in my head when we first heard him. Um, being fascinated by a, a woman pilot when Dixie first landed in uh, in Georgia to this moment. The evolution of the character was uh, really, really, really well done. At least not out of it yet. <laughs> no, no. no. See, now I want to do an impression of her. Hold on, Joseph. Practice. Practice makes perfect. Practice makes perfect. That's the best I can do, sorry. shifter might help, too. Maybe. Right, the rocket's flickering, invisible, and back again. Maybe it's damaged. Dixie was afraid of losing the beast. That wasn't actually that sound of the beast ship was a different sound than the one I used in the first scene. I think it was more well, you know, like a science fiction rocket sound. It's crazy <laughs> alien technology. You can't explain it, so, you know. Yeah. Just wanted to give it a bit more. Thing. Who knows? <laughs> Is there? But more hmm. canonical, because that's what I use, too. <laughs> this I love that explosion sound. Fantastic. That explosion so is the same explosion sound that we used when Lily's plane la uh, uh, crashed at the the castle at the end of the Way first back season. In episode twelve. Yeah. Wow. Nice. The good explosion sound. This production is it is. Bring it back. I try. <laughs> that read from Renee was great. Joey made it out. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt at all. Cornelius is on the job. Don't you worry. That was my favorite one, Steve obviously. Anderson, yeah. Reginald Billingsley. Hey, hello. Uh, anyone at all concerned about me? No, not really. I'm not. I am. <laughs> I've noticed a lot more of Billingsley come. You know, he always comes out in the credits. If he doesn't fit to an episode, like mm -hmm. if the credits go, you know, other people can can talk and stuff too. But I've noticed that when I'm writing the credits, especially if Billingsley's not in an episode, he sort of takes the credits over. So. Which is yeah, good for, for Steve Anderson, because, you know... Oh, yeah. He hasn't yeah. been he in a lot of... Ego BC. I mean, not, not Steve's ego. Right. Billingsley's ego. Steve's a nice guy. <laughs> we love you, Steve! Absolutely. Yes, what is happening with Freudenberg back in California? California. We'll get there. We'll get there, don't worry. Okay. Just checking. And Frank. He's, he's over at my place hanging out. <laughs> We're having some beers. You got him fixing so, your car. <laughs> exactly. 
There you Somebody go. needs to. Building you a robot. No, 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 let's go with the car fixing. Hardenberg, Yavas. Feel free to take your frustrations out on Bill. Yavas. Nice sound effects mixing there. <laughs> Thank you. What were those sounds? <laughs> Was that like somebody oh, being gosh, punched, pushed into a locker or something? Metal crunch. Yeah. There was a breaking glass. <laughs> Always a good one. I think one. I had some wood splitting sounds in there. And house imploding. Oh, wait. Wrong scene. Perry Whittle as Benedict Arachenko. Do not worry, comrade. I had the great pleasure this uh, past month of working with uh, Perry Whittle in person here in San Francisco uh, as uh, part of uh, the local radio theater troupe, Shoestring Radio. A couple of uh, short plays that will be on the radio in like five or six months when they're done producing them. Um, great guy, great actor. Incredible range for that voice. As you will hear, hopefully, I'll send out. We'll probably both send out blurbs about it as the uh, the the listening date approaches. But as you've heard, all over Pendant, Harry is quite a versatile, versatile voice actor. Yes, he is. Oh, and that that um. Sound of disgust Billingsley made in the script once again. Anytime one of those is called for now, it's EUA from the EUA, uh, <laughs> the easy unket approach. Yeah, so that's always <laughs> I always throw that in. But you can't really see, you know, you, you folks out there don't get the scripts, but right. But every time they hear it, hopefully they'll think quite fondly. I remember the first time I saw that in the script, and I was like, what? That's right, that's what? Yeah, that worked. Got to do it like Billingsley. Or like Catherine right there. Thank you, Cat. For the first time in a while, he wasn't actually shouting. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't happen often. David Alexander McDonald as Walter Falkenstein. I like pogs. All the little dogs and the birdies and the children. <laughs> Would someone please tell me what's going on? M. Sierra Garcia as Nev. You should come to more than just the end credits, John. Was there a bit of a British accent there? The rest of the show, that's hardly my fault. Uh, it's Nev. Oh, well, yeah. Nev's always Sorry, I thought, for some reason, I thought we were on Misfortune Divine and not Nev. My fault. No, no, no. I was ahead of everybody else. Sorry. Sorry. Sorry, Nev. Sorry, Em. Do Wait, you I'm listen to this show? To the I wonder. What show? You and Bill. You need to get together and have a listening party. I'm tired. Sorry. It slipped my mind. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. Coffee time. Young as the amazing Noel. It's true. Everyone does. M. Sierra Garcia as Miss Fortune Divine. I know. I sure do. Is it me or does Fortune not have an accent? Robot one five three. 
But she has. Uh, I guess she has a, a little bit of an accident. Accident. An accent accident. She has plenty of accidents. You know what? I'll, I'll tell you what. I'm actually a little glad that I've only got like four more of these left to write because I'm running out of ways to torture Fortune in the commercials. So. It's getting tough. It's getting really tough. I'm sure you'll come up with something superific for the final episode. Super fantabulous. Chinese water torture. This, by the way, I wanted to put the uh, the core beam into the credits because since it had a robotic brain, I figured it counted as like a pseudo robot. So I thought it would be funny to throw it in there. It worked. I was laughing. Yeah, this end credit sequence was pretty fun to mix. <laughs> and this. I want a core beam to English dictionary. This is Seth Adam Sure. Stay tuned next time as the hunters close in on their prey only at pendantaudio.com. I think they'll be closing in for a couple episodes. Yeah, well, you know, it all takes a little time when flashbacks interrupt things, you know. Yeah. Curse those flashbacks. Curse them! They're flashy back. Yes, they are. If you want tomorrow's better baseball bat today... <laughs> Tomorrow's better baseball bat today. There's almost a tongue twister. <laughs> yeah, come on, Bill. Say that like ten times really fast. <laughs> Stay safe, America. And batter up. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Thank you. Batter up. And then this. What was Chris this? Sends, By the way. This was, Chris sends me an, an, an extra... When, you know, he was talking about, you know, they just found that, that Scalzetti had crashed and that line of, of Chris Britton saying, oh, no, Joseph, and he just sends me that. So I had to put it in somewhere. It felt like, you know, the last gasp. And then, you know, the rest of that. So thank you for joining us for the, for the Dixie 42. Yes, 42. That's the one we were on. 42. Next month, 43. Oh my gosh. 43! Have a good evening, folks. And Jeffrey's awesome delivery. Uber awesome. Well, thank you. He is. Well, you mean the commercial announcer is uber awesome. Not so much with this. Anyway, uh, have a good evening, folks. We will see you again, <laughs> or hear you again, next month. Next month. Bye-bye. And good night.